morning. Apparently, I don't know what my name is, but uh, it's good to be here with you. I'm the new guy. <laughs> He's off stage, so okay. Well, we're glad you're here. We're in a series that uh, we're trying to expound a little bit on some of the things that we're talking about when we say growth catalysts. Growth catalysts are things that if we do these things, they help facilitate growth and change in our hearts. They make the soil fertile for the thing that God wants to get done in our world. Last week, Adam spoke about the Bible and the importance of, of reading it. And if you haven't been reading the Bible, to get in the game, start reading the Bible, uh, learn what it says. Um, if you've been in the Bible and you're getting the check mark for doing your, your version you know, plan for the day, move from reading the Bible to reflecting on the Bible. What does it say? What does it mean? What am I supposed to learn from this? How am I supposed to live differently because I've encountered God's Word? T today we're going to be talking about a thing that is right up my alley. Uh, I am one of the things that I do here at MCC is, is missions. So live out local, global, uh, that's kind of uh, on my plate. I've got a great team of people who help uh, make that happen and bring organization and direction into that team, and I love them for it. But a lot of the things that s present themselves as opportunities here at MCC are a product of, of that team. We're going to be talking about serving others. Now, the two growth catalysts that are a part of our process that we talk about is serving others at your church, through your church, and then serving others outside of your church. In other words, our goal, our hope is we're going to help you develop this muscle by doing this thing as a group of people so that you're going to start noticing needs and issues and problems and you're going to be able to speak truth and life and maybe solutions uh, into those things around uh, the world. It's a complicated topic because there are tons of organizations that are out and about doing good deeds, doing good things. Clubs and organizations, schools even require a community service. They want to teach people to be a good citizen. And man, that is awesome. They're doing right stuff. They're trying to solve problems, and, and that's wonderful. But that's not who the church is called to be. We're not called to be just good citizens. We're not called to be doers of good deeds. We're taught to be Christ followers, people who will serve the world. And that looks different than helping solve their problems. You know, often these groups pick a particular need like helping sick kids or feeding the hungry or cleaning up a park or fixing up somebody's uh, house. And while all those things are good, the difference between good deeds and a deed done in Jesus' name is the blessing. Are you with me? It's the blessing. It's not just the task. It's the thing that happens in the hearts of the doer and the receiver that's special. You don't get that from just being a part of an organization that does nice things. And again, I am not cracking on those organizations that do nice things. God bless them. They're doing wonderful work. Um, well, that was weird. My iPad just got a phone call. <coughs> Don't worry, there's nothing wrong with my credit card. <coughs> um, many times our solutions are, are just scratching the surface. Um, they are responding to a need. This person's house needs to be fixed up and so we go and we fix up the house and then we leave. We're, we're done, right? We Problem, problem solved, I'm out. <clears throat> uh, sometimes the, the, the need is bad decisions have led to this situation. 
we help dig them out of this situation and we're like, problem solved, then we leave. That's not a grace-filled solution. And there are people at MCC right now who are talking about this very thing. How can we come to people with a solution that's bigger than the current presenting problem? How can we become a part of their world and love them in a way that looks an awful lot like Jesus? Paul Harvey would say there's more to the story. Did, did you hear about the kindergarten teacher? She had uh, one of her students that was uh, trying to put on the boots, you know, it's the rubber boots that you slide on over your feet, and, and he was trying to get that. So the teacher, she comes up alongside the kid, and, and she's pulling, he's pushing, and there's grunting, and they finally get the second boot on, and poking. She's going to move the next kid, and, and, the, and the little boy looks up, and, and, and he says, the teacher, they're on the wrong feet. Oh, now you notice. <laughs> so she starts pulling the things. And I mean, it's hard. as Getting them off wasn't any better than getting them on. And she gets the shoes off, and she, she switches, and she starts the whole process again. She's pushing the kid's knee, gets a foot shoved into the thing. And then the little boy says, these aren't my boots. Chewing on the end of her tongue, she gets right in his face and she said, Honey, why didn't you say so? Struggling, she pulls the boots off. She's right, left, and gets, she gets them on the feet again, you know, uh, because the kid says, You know, these are my brother's boots and my mom made me wear them. So she shoves his little feet back in his boots and she's finally, I'm finished with this kid. And she's like, Okay, honey, where are your, where are your mittens? In my boots. <laughs> Have you, have you ever walked alongside somebody and tried to be their solution? Have you tried to meet somebody in the middle of their mess? And it's that. You, know, you do it and you redo it and you undo it. And you're like, can you tell me the whole story so we can solve this problem? Being a Christ-following servant comes with no easy answers. There's no quick fix when it comes to people and their heart and their, their circumstances. Helping people is going to require patience, commitment, time. It's going to ask for an investment into their lives so that you know the story because you've walked with them. You've had conversations. You've heard what's happening and so you can start to put things together because if they were able to put things together the way you are they wouldn't need you but they need you so you have to hear their story and sometimes it comes out in little pieces and parts and you collect that and you remember that and you love them where they are it requires grace requires us to remember that that's what Jesus is doing for me. If somebody were to describe you with a word, like always, oh, they're always doing this. They're, they always, what, what would that word be? You know? Are, are, are you... Always doing, so maybe they'd say, you're always encouraging. That'd be nice. Maybe they'd say, you're always <coughs> complaining about something. Ouch. Uh, maybe, oh, you, they, they always work. Hard, hard worker. 
always working. Maybe that person's always sharing their faith. I got somebody in mind when I, I read that. Maybe they're they're always scrolling Instagram <laughs> when the time. What? What what are you always doing? What are you known for? You see where I'm going with this? You have a reputation for fill in the blank. Are you good with that? What is yours? How would people describe you? In Acts chapter 9, verse 36, powerful little verse about a lady whose uh, name was Tabitha. In Greek, it was Dorcas. <laughs> so I'm guessing she went with the other name a lot. What's your name? Dorcas. Um, but uh, Tabitha, in our text, was described as she was always doing good, helping the poor. If you're going to be known for something, what an awesome thing to be known for. Her ministry was huge. As a matter of fact, it was so important that when she died, a few verses later they were telling the story, Peter was told by God to go raise her from the dead. She was important. She was doing big time stuff and people were feeling blessed because they knew her. Instead of building her business and growing her market share, she was out making a difference in the lives of people. She was taking the things that she had, leveraging her influences and her resources to bless people in the name of Jesus, and it was making headway. She was a servant of the Most High God. I think you probably agree with me that we live in an incredibly self-centered society. It's all about me and my comfort, my feelings, and what I like and what I don't like and we, you know, we have to be sensitive about everything now because it's all about me. I, I, I was looking on Google last night. If you're trying to follow me in your notes or your bulletin, I apologize. I pitched that sermon last night about 10.30 and uh, <laughs> it was one of those things that the Lord just kept messing with me and I, he's like, that's cute, but that's not the one. So I appreciated him giving me a little heads up. Uh, but I was looking on Google, and I typed in the word self-promotion on Google, expecting to see this, you know, blasting of it. And, and it was page after page after page. First page. First page. Uh, self-promotion. Um, building relationships, 11 rules for self-promotion. Another article, five tips for practicing self-promotion without being annoying. There you go. Uh, stand out for success. Right? The, the, the world says, hey, all those great things that you do and have done and can do, you've got to tell everybody about it. You've got to tell everybody that you are all that and a bag of T-shirts. No, bag of chips. What am I saying? I don't know. You're, you're with me, right? you just got to blow your own horn. Because they say if you're going to get promoted, if you're going to get ahead in this world, you're going to have to tell your own story. Well, that, that's not the way it works in, in God's economy. You see, Jesus, his teaching was diametrically opposed to self-centered, selfish, self-promoting culture. Jesus said things like, if you want to follow me, you, you pick up your cross and, and, and deny yourself and, and pick up your cross and follow me. In other words, you, you're going to have to die to your selfish nature. You're going to have to put those things away. Jesus said, the greatest among you will be Servant of all. The greatest among you will be the servant of all. 
In other words, as Jesus followers, serving is not something we do. It's who we are called to be. It isn't a task. It's a purpose. Do you see the difference? So what I want to do today is a little weird. Um, I want to paint three images from Scripture tied to three very simple stories. I hope it's memorable. I hope it inspires you to serve people, to pay attention to the people who are in your path. I'm not asking you to go hunt them down. Friends, they're all over the place. They're in this room with you. Maybe you're one of them, but just today you need some help. We're called to be servants of the Most High God. And it sounds like a big hard thing, but I I, want to break it down, and it's not that big a deal. It can be pretty easy. It's something like, you, you can bring a lunch, you could offer a ride, or, or you could carry a towel. That's actually the points to the message today, and hopefully it will make sense as we go along. But uh, let's start with a lunch, right? You could bring a lunch. King David. David was an awesome man. The Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. War hero, right? He did all this stuff. He, he was influential. He was referred to. His kingdom will have no end. That's the line that even ties into Jesus being connected to David. He was special. He was special. He rose to notoriety when he killed the giant Goliath, right? Became kind of a warrior. And he influenced the kingdom. He, he was a, a great help and an asset to Israel. It was huge. People would say, he was great because he won a battle. I, I would say he was great because he brought a lunch. He brought a lunch. What in the world? David was the youngest of eight brothers, the son of a man named Jesse, and the older brothers were out fighting a war, or at least like getting their equipment together and, and preparing for battle. And in 1 Samuel 17, verses 17 and 18, uh, Jesse, he says to David, take this basket of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers. See how they're, they're getting along and bring back a report on how they're doing. Essentially, uh, David, um, you can stop watching the sheep now. I have an errand for you to run. I'd like you to get lunch and take it to your brothers. His brothers were at war. They were sold, can I, lunch, really? Can I, maybe I can take some extra swords or, you know, some ammo or something. I mean, come on, give me a job. I don't want to go to the warriors and be, you know, DoorDash. Take lunch. Bring me a report. How in the world can we serve? What are you talking about? Think about this for a second. All the problems in the world that that we live in, all the things that need to be solved, where would you draw the line on, hey, that's beneath me. That's just beneath me. I'm I'm better, more important than than this. I remember uh, years and years and years ago, Butler Springs Camp. Anybody in here, Butler Springs Campers? You remember the pit toilets? Yeah, think of outhouse on steroids. It was like 10 holes into a 
pit. <laughs> well, we were going to put in new toilets, like actual plumbing, water, and flush toilet. I mean, it's going to be like bringing it into the you know, 19th century. And uh, uh, we were a bunch of us down there. We were digging ditches, and, and we were burying uh, cables and conduits and stuff like that. And um, this guy walks up. He's obviously a, a preacher. He's in dress slacks and a nice shirt, you know, long sleeve shirt and a tie and stuff like that. And, you know, we knew he wasn't there to, to help us because he's not dressed for it. And uh, I'm, I was being a smart aleck, you know, <laughs> raise up the shovel to him, and he's like, son, I didn't go to college to dig ditches. Whoo! And the Lord shall bless your ministry, idiot. <laughs> what, what's beneath you? I won't do that. When we're serving people, when we are servants of the Most High God, if it's your time to take lunch, brother, pick up the bag. What needs to be done around you? What are the needs that you see? They're in your path. You have to step over to get past it. What are the needs that you see in your world? And, and friends, I love you. Why do we keep stepping over it? Are we too busy? Is it not my problem? Am I not my brother's keeper? Right? Or am I just busy and distracted? And in the moment, I'm not thinking anything about the kingdom of God or that I'm his servant. I'm just on my way to something. And so we keep moving. You see, David found himself in a position of a delivery boy. And that journey with a bag of lunch put him in a place where he heard the taunting of his God. <laughs> and that can't stand. And you know the rest of the story, right? He can't fit in the armor. He's a, he, he's a big sword and he's dragging. He's, I'm, I'm a shepherd. I got a slingshot and I stones, I'm going to, I'll be fine. God's got this. He was put in a position, or maybe God put him in a position to become great. His, his date with destiny started with lunch. What will you do in Jesus' name? What simple, small mundane, behind-the-scenes task will you do that may be the thing that God is setting you up for magnificent ministry? You bring a lunch? You can offer a ride. I love this Old Testament prophecy. 553 years before the event took place, Zechariah prophesied that the Messiah would come riding into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey. The people who heard the prophecy were like, the Messiah, the King of Kings is going to come in on it. No, he's going to come in on this majestic white horse, flowing robes, everybody's chanting. It's going to look like the scene from Aladdin, man. They're all going to, you know, wonderful fanfare. You think he's going to ride in on a donkey. But Matthew chapter 21, Jesus tells his disciples, I'm, I'm going to need you to secure for me a donkey. Now, that's a paraphrase, but you know what I'm, I'm going. You can look it up. It's in Matthew 21. A 553-year-old prophetic event is about to go down. If anybody asks you, 
tell them the Lord needs it. So they go and they find the donkey tied up just like Jesus said he was going to do. And, and you know, the donkey had an owner. Well, I don't know what the guy's name was. I don't know if it was like, you know, donkeys are us and, you know, he was just lots of them tied up. Did he own one? Did he own 50? I, I don't know. But we do know culturally that owning an animal like that was a sign that you, you're, you're a little more successful than maybe the average person. And, you know, he had one that hasn't been ridden. And so the guys come up there and they're starting to untie the donkey. And, you know, hey, what would you do? Hey, 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 hey. That, that's my donkey. What are you doing? The, the Lord needs it. Uh, that's a new one, okay? <laughs> let me take you back to the used lot. <laughs> I'll let you borrow one of the, you know, refurbished <laughs> donkeys. <laughs> you know, we don't have a whole lot of the story. We just know they came back with the donkey. Because the Lord has need. So how can we be a faithful servant? Well, you can offer a ride. What skills, what resources do you have available? This guy had a donkey, and the Lord needed it, and he said, my donkey's your donkey. But we live in this self-centered culture that says, it's mine, 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 mine. We accumulate stuff, and we count it and we feel comfortable we may even feel achieved uh, like we've achieved something because we have the stuff or it gives us comfort because maybe we don't really trust that God's in control and that he will provide so I'm just going to make sure everything is here what tools and resources do you have at your disposal because friends the Lord has need of it you see the blessings that we receive are not for us to accumulate and count they're not for an inventory. They're not so that we can compare our, our lists of accomplishments with somebody else's. God has given us stuff, here's a Bible word, to be a steward. It's not ours. None of it. Well, wait, 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 10%, right? 10%. <laughs> he lets us keep 90, okay? It's all his. It's all his. You want to be a servant of the Most High God. You want to impact people's lives. You know people with needs. You pass them all the time. What we're saying is pay attention to those people. Invest into their lives so that they know somebody loves them. The guy in the story... He used the tools at his disposal to be a kingdom builder. So what are you sitting on? What have you got that you could use to leverage, to solve somebody's problem, to be a blessing in somebody's life, to help change their set of circumstances so that you can say, I'm not that great, it's a Jesus thing. It's a Jesus thing. What can you do to serve? You could bring a lunch, you could offer a ride you could carry a towel one of the most beautiful pictures in the New Testament that we see about the heart 
and nature of Jesus is found in John 13. They're sitting in a room before the Passover. It's Thursday night. Secret meetings going on. Just Jesus and the, the 12 disciples and, and the guy that did the painting. Um, It was a picture. He just took a picture. Um, and he's seated with the disciples, and he's brought them there. Like those of you who are familiar with the, the gospel narrative, he keeps telling them. They don't get it. He explains. He, ke- he tells them parables. They don't get it. He explains. And then he starts to be speaking more and more frankly, and it seems as if they're starting to get it. So they're in this room, and they're, and they're Passover, and they're st- right. They're starting to get it. Well, Luke's gospel helps us understand, yeah, maybe not. Because as Jesus was trying to unpack everything, it's getting ready to happen. It's, it's now. It's getting ready to happen. The guys, they're over bickering about, I, I'm like the, the, the chief executive vice president of <coughs> Nazareth Ministries. No, 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 no. no. You're, you're, and they start, they're, they're fighting about the pecking order. And Jesus is looking at this, probably thinking, I, they may not get it. And so he does something very significant. Knowing that he didn't come to be served, but to serve others, Jesus looks around and he sees proud hearts and dirty feet. Nobody had uh, washed their feet. This was the custom of the, of the time, that when you entered a home, that somebody... Uh, the the, the lowest on the totem pole got the job of washing feet. Maybe that's why the disciples were bickering about their position, you know, anything to get out of washing somebody's feet. But nobody had done that. And so to get their attention, to bring perspective, to help them see right before he's taken from them, he takes off his jacket and wraps a towel around his waist. He gets a basin full of water and then he goes over and he starts to get down on the floor. These guys come unglued. Whoa, 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 whoa. No, no, Jesus, look, you're the rabbi. You, you, the rabbi can't wash our feet. So, you know, give me the bowl. No, give me the bowl. I'm, guys, sit down. I'm going to teach you a lesson. I'm going to do something for you that I want you to do for other people. It wasn't about the feet. It's, it's not about the, the house that needs repair. It, it's not even about the food. It's about the heart. It's about being chosen and cared for and loved. It's about being a part of a family that matters, that lives on purpose. It's about Jesus. He is the Son of God, the bread of life, the Prince of Peace, the living water. He's all those things. And He will get down on His knees in front of you and wash your feet. There's nothing He won't do to love you. So, how do we love Him back? How do we solve the problems in our community? How do we impact the world and lift up Jesus so he can draw all men unto himself? We get in the game. All these stories, somebody had to do something. This morning, as we come around the Lord's table, as we remember what Jesus 
has done for us. He paints the picture even on his sacrifice on the cross as one who will serve. Serve people who don't even seem as if they they care or, or deserve it, but he gives anyway. He offers himself to others. You see, Jesus modeled what it looks like. In Matthew 25, he tells a story of of what it's going to be like at the end, and he he tells about, you know, the the sheep are on one side and the goats are on the other, which I think is interesting because the sheep are the people who just kind of follow, and they they just by nature are good-willed, and and the goats, right, the greatest of all time, right, the people who are all about me and my position, and you see all of who I am and what I've done, that are on the other side. And Jesus said, you know, you've, fed me when I was hungry and when I didn't have clothes you you gave me clothes and when I was sick you comforted me when I was in prison you visited me you showed up in my broken world I, I've only known you for three years I, I, when were you any of that if you've done it to the least of these my brothers you've done it to me and he goes to the other side and he, he starts in on the story. I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was sick and you, you provided me no comfort. I was in prison and you didn't come and see me. Lord, we didn't see any of that happening. The things you neglected to do to the least of these, my brothers, it was like you did it to me. You see, as being servants of the Most High God, we are called to pay attention. Not come to church. Come, if your faith is a thing you visit, you're doing it wrong, brother. Your faith is supposed to change your mind. It's supposed to change the way you see the world. It's supposed to change what you're willing to do with your wallet. It's supposed to change everything about you. My question this morning is, has it? Because we, we still have things that are undone right here, 1146 East Central Avenue. There are people who are serving two hours in children's ministry because they're making sure the kids are getting it covered. What's up with that? What about people who need something brought to their house or you know, a thousand different things? Seriously. We need to get in the game and show up because he's come for us. He's asked us to love him the way he has loved us, and that's what this meal is about. It's family dinner. It's a piece of bread and a small cup of juice that reminds us every week, this is what you're worth to me. My body, my blood, everything. I will give everything up for you. How do we respond? When you take that piece of bread and you hold that little cup of juice, I hope that you think of last week and, and maybe the things that you felt close to God and maybe the, a thing or two that needs a little bit of effort. But while you're having that quiet time of thinking and reflecting, I want to ask you, I want to challenge you, I want to beg you, 
to ask God if he needs a lunch someplace. If somebody needs a ride, a resource that they don't have. If there's somebody who I can humble myself to and serve with love and compassion, show me. Lord Jesus, would you pray with me? Father, help us. Help us to see the significance of the sacrifice of your precious son. Help us to see this book that we hold in our hands as more than a religious document, but as your voice. God, we want to be different. We want to be people who live on purpose, who love God, who love people, and live on mission. But God, sometimes we, we focus on, on us, and we get busy, and we don't have time, and we're running a little tight, and things are a little short, and so we say no. And we miss the opportunity to slay a giant. Father, help us to inventory the blessings that you've given us, our skills, our abilities, our resources, our finances, everything that you've given us, and help us treat it like it belongs to you. Forgive us, Lord, where we fail to keep your kingdom first. Holy Spirit, help us to see and make better decisions so that we can honor you by the way that we live our life. We thank you so much for the gift of Jesus. We pray that we would live lives worthy of the calling that you've put on our hearts. And we ask this in Jesus' name.